Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. This, this series called Summer of Impact is really been a surprise to me. And here's why. We chose people that I didn't even know a lot about. I mean, I knew them just, you know, when you have to study the scripture and teach the scripture as much as I have, you're going to know them, but I didn't realize some things. Okay. And I'm just going to trust it's going to open your eyes and mind to some things that I believe that God wants to say to you. Now, when I woke up from surgery, and you're probably saying, which one? All of them. I mean, when I woke up from every one of them, I'm going to tell you the weirdest thing happened. Two things God put on my heart. I mean, really put on my heart. One, I want to know this book more. I want to know this book more. Now listen, when I was getting ready to go into surgery, I really didn't need a word from Dr. Phil. I needed a word from Dr. Paul. I mean, I needed a word from this book. I did. I just found myself. I mean, the news was on. Stuff was on. I'm like, gosh, I I can't handle that. I needed this to get me through. And so I just woke up with this sense of, man, I want to, I want to. And it's not that I left it. I just feel so much more passion to teach it and to live it and to walk with whatever it says to do. So I made that commitment 16 years ago, and I'm reaffirming that commitment today. I will teach you everything I can about this book. That's the only thing I'm committing myself to do. Second thing, I woke up wanting to go back to Israel. I did. I just wanted to go. I don't know why I want to, stay. I want to see the places again, and I've been there, and I've taught there. I want to be there again. Because it's almost as if something in me changed. And guess what? I'm planning on going. Lord willing, health is okay. Next year, if you have any questions, any desire at all to go to Israel, you uh, see Danny. Danny is the tour master. I mean, he is amazing at being able to put them together and just reach out and we'll give you what details we know. But here's what I want to say this morning. I'm going to share some things with you this morning that some of you may have never heard. May challenge you a little bit. I never mind somebody saying, man, can I come see you? I got some questions. Absolutely. But here I need to warn you. I don't need somebody's book that somebody wrote. I want you to bring this book. And we together will look here to try to really understand what God is saying. That's my only rule is I'm not really good at commentary on commentaries. I will give everything I can to explain this book and understand What did he mean by this? So you are welcome to come. Because I can assure you, there's going to be a wide range of opinion in this room. The question I ran into about three years ago from one of our teenage girls. This is what she said. Pastor, what is available for me as a girl in this church in terms of getting involved and serving and leading? Do y'all let girls do anything? She said, I've never heard. She's been here a long time. She said, I've never heard anybody teach on a woman and how she can serve and, and 
be a, a, involved in the ministry here at First Baptist. And it shocked me. I mean, it really hit me. And I thought, you know what? She's right. We haven't. And what that means to me is that there's a whole lot of you, and even those streaming that don't know us, you're going, what, what do y'all believe? Is there a place for me? Is there a way I can serve? Is, I'm, I'm a woman, and I don't know a lot about the Scripture, but I really want to be involved, and I want to serve. You, is that okay? And I want to give you a simple answer. Yes. Are there cows in Texas? Yes. Yes. There's a place for you. Yes. And I want to show you this woman that we chose to talk about her today. And when we first chose her, I'm like, man, we don't, I don't know about her. Now that I know a little more about her, she's an amazing woman. You're not going to believe what she did. I want you to turn to Romans 16. Romans chapter 16. The opening verses there are 36 people that Paul talks about, okay? Romans is written by the apostle Paul. He's talking about his friends, his co-workers, and all that. He names 36 of them to commend, say hello to, whatever. <laughs> Ten of them are women, okay? Ten of them are women. And the one particular woman that I want us to talk about is a girl named Phoebe. A girl named Phoebe, and she is bigger than you think. And what I mean by that is her legacy. I don't know how big she was, but I'm just telling you, her legacy is great. I mean, I think about my mom sitting there with my mom, and I, and, and I knew in the back of my mind I'm thinking about this message. And I don't know that my mom understands the impact she made in every church where my father served as pastor. I don't know that she knows the impact she made in me. In fact, I told her we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to come back for her birthday, which is in September. She turns 92, and uh, I think actually I'm going to drive a uh, 1966 Mustang. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm going to drive a, a Chevrolet. I'm going to drive a, a Chevrolet pickup, I think. But seriously, we're going to go back and celebrate with her because I listen. There are some people in this room you don't know how useful you have been and useful you can be in the kingdom of God. So let me read a couple of verses, and I want you to make sure you've got it open. Uh, turn it on, whatever it is you do with God's Word, if it's a phone or an app or whatever, just get that text in front of you, okay? Romans 16, verse 1, I commend to you our sister, Phoebe. Our sister, what does that mean? She is one of us. So here's what we know so far. Women, can go to heaven. Can we just applaud that? Yes, women can go to heaven. <laughs> They're going to be there. Our sister Phoebe, all right, watch this. A servant of the church at Sincrea. How many of you have a version of the Bible that instead of servant, it has deaconess? There you go. See a lot of hands. That's what it is. The word deaconess it's the same Greek word for servant. Now, I'm going to deal with that in just a second, so hang on. She is from Sincrea, which the book of Romans was written. It's a letter to the church in Rome. Paul had not been there. It's written from Corinth. Okay? So, Rome is in Italy. Corinth is in Greece. 
Corinth is where he was <clears throat> for 18 months. Some believe he was in prison there for a part of that time. You know, we're not sure, probably was. And near Corinth is another little port called Sincrea. By the way, anybody know what happened to Paul in Sincrea? There's only one reference that we know of of his being there. What happened to Paul in Sincrea? Anybody know? If you're on the, on the stream, put it in the chat if you know. Let me give you the answer, and I'm going to tell you how I know this so well. Paul got his hair cut in Sincrea. I promise you. Paul got his hair cut. You said, well, why would you remember that? Because in college, I missed that question on a test. It was the only one I missed. And I have never forgotten it. You know how that goes? You just remember those things. He got his hair cut. So what if Phoebe was the hairdresser and he wrote the book of Romans while he was sitting in the chair for her to cut his hair? I don't know. You think that? No, it's probably not possible, right? Just a crazy idea. But Sincrea, Sincrea and Corinth are close. She's from Sincrea. Now watch what he says about her. That you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So right now, we've read three words about her sister. It means he's part of the body of Christ. Number two, deacon, servant at Sincrea. It is the only time in the New Testament the word deaconess or servant appears with the specific church named. That leads many to believe she might have held the office of deaconess. So that brings me to this question. Paul doesn't seem to distinguish sometimes between the office and the function. And I'll explain it. There are women and men who are functioning in this church as deacons and deaconesses, though they don't necessarily hold the title. But Paul's not interested as much in the title as how you live how you live. In fact, he doesn't get hung up in titles, even when he's talking about an office in the church. So I think sometimes we try to put words in his mouth. Was she in an official way a deacon at that church or a deaconess at that church? We don't know. Could she have been? Yes, she could have been. We just know she was a servant. And Paul commends her and he associates her with that church. Now, the third word, Patron. Do you see that? She is a patron. He says she's a patron of many, but she's been a patron of myself as well. Did you know that's the only place in the New Testament that word occurs? The only place patron occurs. It's a beautiful word. It, it literally is a word that, that means someone who stands by another. Someone who stands by another. Now, a couple of ideas is that a patron in classical Greek, the word for patron is, get this, this is kind of cool with the Olympics coming up, a manager of an athlete. A manager of an athlete, okay? A manager who makes sure they're in good shape, makes sure they have resources, makes sure they're training, makes sure they have everything they need for the Olympic Games. 
So is, it, is he saying that she was like a manager of somebody or, you know, making sure somebody had everything they needed to do whatever it is God called them to do? Could be. The other side of that is we know that patron, like we use it today, is a word that means financial, financial supporter. Somebody who made things happen, who, who helped finance. I think she was a wealthy businesswoman because she was a hairdresser. I'm just kidding. I know better than that from some of you who've given me personal testimony. She was a businesswoman, wealthy, and she blessed people with it, and she blessed the kingdom with it. In fact, you want me to give you a good example of a patron? Francis Roof. The story Danny told of a woman who had a possession, and she wanted that possession to go to the past, I mean, to be given to the church. And so, so here she sets it up, and she does this. That's a patron. And let me tell you something. This church has a lot of patrons. A lot of you, though you have never taught a class, though you've never been on this platform, you have advanced the gospel because of your generosity. What you have done, it is a beautiful word, and he doesn't use it for anybody except her. So that makes us wonder, man, what was she? Was she just financing him or, or just giving money? And we don't know the answer to it. We just know she had a very important role in the life of Paul and the life of others. Now, there's one more thing she did. But I want to I set it up this way. In Scripture, you will find various views on what Phoebe might have done or been. Just because of how we think the scripture teaches what women can do. Okay, so we might as well just jump right into this, all right? I want you to remember some, some words, okay? Now these may be big words, so I apologize for that, but let me explain them best I can. The first is there are two terms that describe your approach to how women can be used, not just in the church, but in general in God's kingdom. The first word is egalitarian. Egalitarian is a view that men and women were created equal, and there's no distinction in God's mind on roles. In other words, a woman can do anything that a man can do, a man can do anything a woman can do. In other words, there's no distinction whatsoever. The second word is the word complementarian. Complementarian believes that men and women were created equal, but they have different roles. And the woman was created to complement the man, and the man was created to complement her. But they have different roles on occasions. I'll give an example. I, that's what I hold. Okay? I hold that the Scripture teaches a complementarian view, which means that in a husband and wife relationship, let's take it there, the husband has, has certain roles and responsibilities that his wife doesn't. Now, I'm not talking about, does that mean that I should keep the books because I'm the husband? Nope. I'd have been bankrupt a long time ago if I kept the books. <laughs> Rachel is much better at accounting than I am. What about taking out the trash? I got a job there. I'm still employed, so I'm doing fine on that one. It doesn't matter. Divide up what those responsibilities look like. We're not talking about that kind of role. 
We're talking about when the Scripture calls a man the head of the family. And I know some of you guys like to get off on, oh, I know what that is. That means I'm in charge. No, it doesn't. It means you are highly accountable. It means you have great responsibility. A headship idea, kephale is the actual Greek word, means I am to protect my family. I am a covering for my family. In the same way that God and Jesus is the head of the church, he's a covering for us. He's protection for us. So I believe that when God created man and woman, he had in mind an order. And that order is clearly seen in marriage and in relationships like that. And so what you're going to see are places in the scripture where it looks like Paul's talking about just all women in general, all men in general. It's not. He's talking about within the framework of a husband and wife. In fact, let me give you an example. Have you ever heard somebody say, Paul said, let the women keep silent in the church? Anybody ever heard that? When y'all going to start doing it? Please don't. Let me tell you what it means. That's out of 1 Corinthians 14. They were having trouble. The prophets were trying to overdo one another and overspeak one another and the wives their wives started doing the same thing created disorder that order that God established in creation and Paul said wives same word women or wives same word in Greek wives you need to be quiet and quit causing a problem with your husband in the church because it's not reflecting on the order and the beauty of the home as God established it in creation. Now, when you look at those problem passages through that lens, it makes a lot more sense. Because whenever I'm reading scripture, when I'm working in a text and I, I see a verse I don't understand, here's the best thing I know to do. Read more. <laughs> look at other verses. And I just believe God has used women to speak, and God has used women in incredible roles. So was he really saying that a woman can't ever open her mouth at the church? She has to learn at home? No. She can't bring disorder in the church by being disruptive to her husband and dishonoring what God has given him. And so what I would say to you is that when you begin to look at Phoebe, she has an incredible role. But she has this role, not just because she's a woman, but because God has gifted her. Which moves me to the second word you need to hear. You ever heard the word cessation? Cessation? It's like cessationist or continuation. What does that mean? Did the gift cease at the end of the New Testament or at the end of of the apostles, or did, do they continue today? There are a lot of people that believe they stopped. And therefore, uh, for example, in the book of Acts, Philip has four daughters, and Acts chapter 21, they go to Caesarea, and they evangelize Caesarea. His four daughters are called prophetesses. So if those gifts are gone, then a woman obviously can't be a prophet today. And there's a lot of things. 
Because you know what? No list of gifts, not one single list of gifts in the church ever defines, is that for a woman or a man? It just says it's a gift. I personally believe the gifts didn't pass away at the end of the age of the apostles. I have gone to bat and gone to the mat on that several times and have done the work in 1 Corinthians 13. I do not believe they cease. They are still operating in the body of Christ today. God is still giving gifts and he's still using those gifts. So here's what I would say. You have to ask the question, if God's using gifts and giving gifts, and the gifts weren't assigned by gender, then it's possible a woman might have a gift to speak. That's right. I promise you, there's women doing an incredible job teaching every week. We've had women stand on this platform and deliver incredible teaching. Now, does that mean they held an office of authority here? No. Just they were operating in their gift. So what we believe and what I want more than anything else is to understand your gifting. And I want to encourage that gift. Which brings me to this word. Conviction versus preference. Conviction versus preference. A conviction, you remember I, I use this analogy a lot. Thick ice and thin ice. If, if you're from a place where there's ice... <laughs> You know there's a season when the ice gets real thick. Well, you can jump up and down on that. I mean, you can literally jump up and down on that. My mom was telling me she remembers pictures when the Mississippi River froze at Memphis. Because that's where she's from. That's where I was born. The Mississippi River froze, and it froze so much, there, there's a picture of horses and wagons crossing the Mississippi on the ice. Now, I can't even imagine that because I, I've never seen it freeze like that. Well, the truth is, when it's thick ice, you can jump up and down. Now, when it's thin ice, be real careful. A conviction is thick ice. It's where you have a clear biblical teaching that this is the case. Well, let me tell you, you can build a house on that. You can build your life on that. But if there's not a clear teaching, and it's more of an application or more of inference or implication, you can still say, I believe that, but it's a little thinner ice. I call that a preference. For example, why don't we use organ music and sing anthems in this service that are in Latin? Is that because they're not spiritual or biblical? No. There are churches all across the country use it. It's just we have a preference. And we try to speak a language of music that connects most with all of you who stream and all of you in this room. So you see, preferences, we can differ. Look at this. If this stage, if this stage is really what we believe about Scripture, what we believe about women and their role and men and their role and all, and this is the, this is the Scripture... There's going to be some of us that might be standing over here, and there's going to be some standing over there. we got different preferences, but that doesn't mean we're right over here and you're wrong over there. No, it just means it's different. How many of you grew up in a church where they practiced the Lord's Supper every weekend, communion every time, every weekend? Raise your hand. And I'm sure streaming some of you. That's a beautiful thing. Why don't we do it that way? We just try to follow a different type of order. 
Are we right and everybody else wrong? Nope. Not at all. Just a preference. Just how we apply. By the way, when you're in a two-lane road and you're at a red light, can the right lane turn right on red if there's not a sign that says don't? Can you turn right on red? Raise your hand. If you believe that's a Florida law, raise your hand. Police officers are watching. They're looking. <laughs> it's a law. But did you know it's also a law? You don't have to. You don't have to. So therefore, quit freaking out, blowing your horn, and going nuts on the person in front of you, right? They just choose not to turn. So you see, if we use the same principle as we're talking about this, it just makes a lot more sense. Okay, so here we are. Every church I've ever pastored, I tried to honor the preferences. I had convictions, and those were things I'd really fight for, but there were things I, hey, no problem. If we prefer to do it that way, that's, that's no problem. It's not, a, it's not a big issue. I've tried to honor that. I was in a deacon's meeting one time where I said, you know, the scripture, and I read it. I said, it teaches this. I won't ever forget this. The deacon looks at me and goes, well, I don't care what the scripture says. We've never done that here, and this is our tradition. Okay. Good with me. I mean, that's fine. But here's the danger. If we ever let tradition which is made by man, cast a shadow on Scripture, which is God's holy word. That's when we get into trouble. So the challenge is to try to work through what's tradition and what's really the Scripture. And so you remember the word conviction and preference. Because people ask me, so what do y'all, what, what do you believe? And that's usually addressed to me. So what do you believe about ordaining women? And my answer is, I'm not sure what I believe about ordaining anybody. And they go, what do you mean? Because it's not in the scripture. You say, an ordination service isn't in there? No. There's places where they laid hands on someone and set someone apart. But I think that happened all the time in the scripture. I was ordained. I had a beautiful little service. It was great. It was awesome. But it was tradition. It wasn't something that came directly off the pages of this book. So people get all hung up on this ordaining women thing. Listen, if we've got a woman and we're asking her to do something here and to minister in some way, we better be setting her apart, which is what the word means. And, and saying, we are with you and for you and praying for you. So it's not as easy as what we may think. So that's why we give grace, which brings me to the thing you probably would never dream. One of the things we believe Phoebe did, was she a believer? Yes, she's a sister. Was she a deaconess? Yes. Was she a patron? Yes. But here's one thing you never, it's crazy. There's a phrase in this verse, and I'm going to read it again, verse 2, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. Now that's written to a church he's never been to, Rome. This is the book of Romans we're reading, right? The letter. Most people believe 
she carried the letter to Rome. She was the one who took the letter and not only carried it to Rome, but therefore read the letter in front of the church at Rome. In fact, most people you read, that's what we believe, no matter where they stand on all, all these issues, she carried the letter. Now, let me make sure you understand what I'm saying. The most incredible statement of the gospel the one letter, if I only had one book in the New Testament that I could carry the rest of my life to help me understand what Jesus did for me, it would be the book of Romans. It's an unbelievable thing. And Paul would give it to her. He could have chosen all kind of people. I mean, he could have had guys. I mean, he could have had, but he chose the hair cutter at Sincrea. What a thought. Just kidding. He chose her and she delivered it and she read every word of it that's why she would read about herself when she got to this verse she's reading to them I commend to you our sister Phoebe I'm sure she blushed I'm sure it kind of embarrassed her a little bit but Paul wanted them to know you better treat her well because she's doing something that's incredibly important carried the book so let me conclude here are the lessons we learned from Phoebe. Number one, there's a place for every one of us. Every one of us are useful in the kingdom. Number two, don't let anything keep you from what God has given you a gift to do. In other words, say it this way. There's nothing about us, our gender, our background, our wealth, our poverty, our past sins that disqualifies us from being used by God. You know why? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. If God calls you, he will give you everything you need. If he's given you that gift. Now, here's the responsibility for us as a church to help you find that. And, and did you know we got a series coming up this fall called Dream Again, built on the book of Jeremiah, that actually is about that, helping you find your place. And there's also a study that it's called Unique. David Lovelace has all the information and, and kind of how we use that on more of an individual and small group basis. I would love for you to reach out to David Lovelace's office and get information on it. I just want to tell you that we're committed to help you find your place, no matter who you are. And the third principle is this. We don't all have the same role. Some of you may never stand on this platform and preach or teach or whatever. May never do that. But we have the same goal. Glorify our King. We don't have the same role, but we have the same goal. So our desire is to help you to find a way to glorify him. So the question today, especially for ladies, is not what I can't do in that church. No, 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 no. It's what you can do here. I personally believe after study and a lot of study that the role of a senior pastor or elder, however, whatever tradition you come from, 
is reserved for man simply because of that order that I talked about early and how he created and then the husband and the wife. In fact, I've even said to women who were teaching, hey, is, your, is this okay with your husband? Does, do you have his blessing? Not because I'm questioning her gift. I just want to make sure she's honoring that home and that relationship even with her husband. I do believe there are places that the Scripture speaks to, a, to the man being a senior leader in a church. But I've concluded that beyond that, there's just not a limitation for any woman in this church. God gifts you. God calls you. We want to help you find that place, and we want you to serve and find a way. In fact, I'll tell you this. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't be where we are today. Women have carried us. I've been in churches that they probably would have closed if women hadn't stepped up and said, we're going to lead. Thank you for leading. And thank you for being a woman who will be what God needs for his people. Phoebe, thank you for carrying the gospel. So here's the picture. Here's the picture I want you to have. The question for us as a church is are we doing everything we can to obey the Scripture? If we think a woman can do anything that she's gifted and called to do by God, do we show evidence that we're helping her to do that? Because if we're not helping her to do that, guess what? We're not honoring Scripture. We're not obeying the Scripture. So our commitment is this. Michelangelo as a sculptor used to sculpt in a way very unique. He would take like quartz, Sculpting an angel, he would sculpt front, back. Most artists would sculpt from the top down. He would sculpt the front, back, and the reason is because he said, I see an angel in that rock, and I want to set that angel free. Well, let me tell you, when we look at everyone, if I'm standing here looking at you now, and looking into that camera and thinking about all those that are streaming, I see an angel. I see a God-gifted child of the king and my goal is somehow set you free to do what god called you to do and to be who god called you to be and for that thank you phoebe for doing what god called you to do now let me ask you can we just stop for a moment bow our heads are you willing to do whatever he shows you even though you say, well, I, didn't, I don't know if I can do that. Yes, you can. If God speaks, God calls, you can do it. I just want you in this moment to make yourself available and say, Lord, whatever it is, I'll do it. Lord, thank you so much for this church. Thank you for your word that guides us. And so, Lord, help us as we, we wrestle with some of the problems that sometimes seem to come up when we talk about these things. But God, may your word show us a clear path and give us the courage to follow. Thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. I know you have created them, you've called them, and you've equipped them to be a part of your kingdom. So Lord, let nothing stand in the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, 
be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.